true beauty is the highest currency we have. Now, without it, she would be nothing. I think you're wrong. Excuse me? I said I think you're wrong. So are you going to tell me that it's what's inside that counts? Back to queer horror cult yet again. Woo! It feels like, as you mentioned right before starting this, it's been weeks. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we haven't really sat down and done our traditional let's bullshit at each other across the table. No, we haven't. No, at least yeah. not with a microphone on. Yeah, yeah. I suppose that's like daily we bullshit <laughs> at each other across the table. It's our relationship. Yeah. We decided to do something this week that we haven't done in a while, and we went back to looking at the Giallo, which we, yeah, we haven't done in a while. Italy, it's, it's all good. Is it? You're the Italian here, so you tell me. Is Italy all good? Italy is good in a lot of ways, and it's very trashy and not in a fun Giallo way in a lot of ways. That's true. <laughs> that is true. I do, I, um, when I was studying Italian, I subscribed on various like social media platforms to all kinds of Italian news outlets <laughs> and every once in a while I still get little updates from them and it's just like, oh, that's garbage. <laughs> yep. Va bene. Sino <laughs> <laughs> Um, This week we had another very tenuous connection between the three <laughs> movies we watched and that was Jolly that surround, uh, the plot surrounds models. Yes, models, the fashion industry... All the drama and bullshit that takes place there mm-hmm. that makes for some good uh, soap operas in in the English-speaking world and probably yep. elsewhere, but I can only speak to the ones that I've seen. Right, of course. Using that flimsy premise to connect to the movies, <laughs> uh, we managed to get an originator of the genre and the form, uh, one of the sleaziest ones we've ever seen, and another movie that I kind of just, oh, there's models in it, I guess we'll watch that for a third, and then I forgot how much of a club banger that movie is. Yes. It was so good. <laughs> Excellent. Uh, but before we get into that, models, jello, like Italy, Milan fashion houses, that's kind of a huge thing, isn't oh, it? Oh yeah, Milan Fashion Week. Uh, that's about all I got. That's all you got? <laughs> I, I remember your sister going on about Italian Vogue. Oh yes, that was, Italian Vogue is like next level with its pictorials. Not, not only next level in terms of like the artistic quality and like everything that they that they put into it, but also, I guess in like they're you know they've had some controversial ones and that have had a lot of people talking about them and stuff. I'm pretty sure it was Vogue Italia that had um, a photo shoot. They went to the site of a really big oil spill and like made it fashion oh to raise God. awareness. And like in one of the photos, the model is like choking up what looks like bitumen or some kind of oil 
They, they sound like the satire of how ruthless the fashion industry is. Right? They, like, they sound like the neon demon, but real. Totally. Exactly. Yeah. It's, 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 uh, it's something else. Hmm. <laughs> but yeah, if, for anybody who, um, you know, spent their formative years, like my sisters and I watching America's Next Top Model, mm-hmm. you know, that like Vogue Italia is like the pinnacle. Like if you've made Vogue Italia, you've made it. Hmm. I, I just feel like the second someone yells at you, Que bella! You're just like, ugh, just flooded my basement a little bit. <laughs> well, and then um, they have this uh, section on their website called, like, Photo Vogue, where you can, like, submit your photos to get approved and then published on the website, and then it says, like, you know, Vogue, I don't know, Vogue Italia or Photo Vogue or whatever in the corner. So then all these people start being like, oh, I've been published in Vogue Italia. It's no big deal. Oh, that's fucking hilarious. <laughs> that, that makes me think of like the template for the time person of the year cover where you can right? just put your own selfie on there. It's like, like I'm the time person look, of the year. It's me. Yeah, it's no big deal, though. Please don't look into it further. One thing I think is really cool about bringing the, the modeling scene into Jallo is you always hear about how cutthroat modeling is and here you have that <laughs> like literally happening right like you got the literal literally. killers and all that kind of stuff mm-hmm. um where you know like they make reality shows about it like you mentioned america's top uh next top model and all the international iterations of this i just stumbled over what i was saying there but now i'm kind of sad that there isn't a show just called america's next top <laughs> That would be pretty dope. (laughs) (laughs) I was going to make some joke about RuPaul's Drag Race, but I don't know if it would land. Uh, You think, like, there is not a top among those. (laughs) No no shade, you know, all the love to bottoms and switches and all that stuff, but... Yes, you are valid and loved and matter. (laughs) Oh, that's funny. Oh my god, but a drag queen top who's, like, a hardcore top and a drag queen, that's just, like... That's too powerful for me to conjure. Divine? Oh my god, Divine is it. You did it. <laughs> you She's too powerful for this world. Yeah. R.I.P. R.I.P. Queen. <laughs> but... But back to models. Back to models. And um, with the reality scene that went around, modeling and all that stuff, it's... I love how they gamified the idea of the cutthroat nature of the industry kind of thing. <laughs> like, they took the, the goof that Zoolander was setting up, and it's right. just like, we're making it a game show for the masses kind of thing. Totally. Now, you mentioned that you watched a lot of this growing up. Oh, hell um, yeah. Was it as brutal as the layman like me is led to believe? It's a yes and no. Like, they... Because it is so made for TV, there's mm-hmm. a lot of stuff that gets obscured. There's a lot of stuff that gets overly exaggerated when it's not really the case and whatnot like there's a lot of stuff that is not industry standard I remember Tyra sending home a girl who had an eating disorder and was not like seeking treatment or seeking any kind of like healing around that and she sent her home because of that she sent her home because she doesn't want to send an unrealistic ex you know body image to girls oh that totally screams the fashion industry (laughs) right right yeah and this is like oh yeah no we're not promoting that on this show and it's like i'm sorry what about being like a fucking six foot tall like 12 percent body fat glamazon is a realistic image and then also i think it's cool that they took a stand to say that we shouldn't normalize eating disorders but it does feel a bit like the pot calling the kettle black totally sort of, yeah know. because then you actually have accounts from like models who are like 
in the industry, it's not like that. It's not mm-hmm. like that at all. It is the opposite. It is like you can be a size zero and they'll still tell you you've fucking gained weight and you're well, too it fat. Was, like, it's like that scene in Night Neon Demon when she's first going to like the modeling agencies yeah. and stuff like that where she's this waifish, thin, mm-hmm. like model-esque model and they're just like, oh, you need to lose some weight. Yeah. How? We don't fucking care. Just do it if you want a job. Yeah. I remember like, yeah, I, I well, having um, like Edmonton here, we have a couple of modeling agencies quote unquote i could fucking like hear the scare quotes dripping from your voice <laughs> some of them are a little scammy one of them what there's at least like there was there's one of them that can get you can get legitimate work from it but it's also like it's just a guy named kurt in a parking garage and he's just like, <laughs> no but it's it's feet. like if oh you have to pay them for modeling classes you have to pay them to develop your portfolio you have to pay them to host you on their website yeah, work is like so sketch when they're just like you have to pay us to work yes like that is just like that is a step beyond right unpaid internships yeah no kidding and then there's which one which are already sketches right <laughs> and then there's another one that um they seem to have more connections with like international and and even more national ones like some of the big ones in toronto and whatnot and like they they represent some people who i have seen on like for instance one of the only models to have back-to-back covers of vogue italia they represent her she's from calgary Mm. they're not i don't think they're her like mother agency or her main one but they she's on their, their website so but anyway um having yeah worked a little bit with what is in in the city here um, that same agency, I met somebody who applied to them and they told her to lose the tire around her waist. Jesus and so like, not Christ. even, they didn't even say it in a nice, like they're like, oh yeah, you know, like we, you know, there are way, ni- obviously way nicer ways mm-hmm. of telling someone of delivering that same kind of it's message. It's like, you're going to body shame anyone anyway, but you're just going to be you're like be a total prick about it about on it, top right? of you're already being a piece of shit. Exactly. Um, and like this girl, like, I mean, not that that's acceptable to say to anybody, but I was like looking at her, I'm like, where would you lose weight from? Mm-hmm. Like. Just got me. a femorectomy. I now have yeah, one femur. Actually. I lost the fucking five pounds. Yeah. Um, Jesus Christ. It, it makes me wonder if, uh, I worked in the restaurant industry when restauranteur shows mm. blew the fuck up. <laughs> like, when Gordon Ramsay was hitting big, I was still, like, working in the kitchen of a restaurant right. kind of stuff. It gave everyone who worked, like, the main grill, any head chef or anything like that, and this was across the board to anywhere I worked, it gave them the ego that mm-hmm. they could be a piece of shit whoever they want because it was hip to be in their position now. And I wonder how much of that, like, the image of modeling being so cold and calculated feeds, like, an ego loop. Where yeah. it's just, like, it recurses into itself. It's like, people expect us to be shitty, so we have to do it to keep up the image of being, like... Exclusive. Legitimate. And, like, classy and yeah. all these things, yeah. Like, I have a feeling it's garbage all the way down, but... Oh, yeah. yeah. And then don't even get into the whole, like... Yeah, beyond the eating disorders, the, like... Um, and not just that, but, like, the promotion of it. Like, the right. culture of, like, it's normal to live off of, like, an apple a day and Diet Coke and cigarettes. Mm-hmm. Um, actually, Abby Lee Kershaw, who is in Neon Demon. I feel like we should have watched that for this week. Uh, right? <laughs> well, well, we'll do non-Italian yeah, models. Model stuff, mayhem yeah. one day. Um, yeah, she... I remember, I remember seeing a quote from her that was, like, I lived off of, like, yeah, like, apples and Coke for, like, this many years, but I was also, like, a millionaire by the time I turned 20, so mm-hmm. am I really exploited kind of thing? And it's like, okay. Oh God, that is bleak. <laughs> right? Totally. It's like, under a capitalist system, you're not wrong, but... 
But yikes. But yikes. It's yeah. like, you know, that's... Yeah. Ugh. Or um, I think I remember seeing uh, Carolina Krakova. She was a Victoria's Secret Angel. Fairly big name at the time. I, I, th- I assume she's retired by now or at least cut back a lot because I haven't seen anything about her in a while. But I also haven't been really keeping up with that stuff. That's fair. Because I'm not doing much photography Because you don't anymore. do photography as much. Yeah. Anymore. But um, that being said, I remember seeing an interview with her where she... What you know, they I, I don't I don't even remember if she'd had a baby at this point mm-hmm. yet, but like they um you know they're they're doing a clothing t- test on her, putting putting these clothes on her that were sized to like a fourteen year old girl right. has not gone through puberty. You're talking to the, about you know Victoria's Secret models. They're slim, but they they got some boobs, boobage and stuff. Yeah. So like very different kind of body stages in life and stuff, and they're trying to put this dress on her. Like Carolina, what happened? You've gotten fat, and she's like a size zero. And it's just like, holy shit, this is unreal. That's insane. Yeah, That's so... Yikes. Yeah, it is very cutthroat, both in terms of, like, how they're treated by industry people, fellow people, mm-hmm. in terms of, like, the competition and stuff for getting jobs, getting... For a lot of them, it's, like, getting out of their situation kind right. of thing. Like, you have a lot of them, especially from poorer countries, where this is, like, their ticket out of there to try and, like, be able to, like feed their families and stuff okay, so yeah. yeah so then there, there's a lot of room for exploitation and you know, we're talking about the uh certain photographers with uh, certain styles and i don't want to name drop because i don't want to get like sued not that he ever sues anybody for de- defamation which I'm i think not says name a drop, lot but i will tell you he taught me how to cat daddy true <laughs> yeah he's he's yeah that that um, everybody's uncle Pretty friendly uncle who's shot everyone from like Obama to like fucking everyone. Um, yeah, and just stories about like, you know, when, when you're already in a vulnerable situation, then having people in positions of power who can take advantage of that and right. then not really being able to say no because if you bring an objection, they'll just ship you off back to like fucking Poland or wherever you're from mm-hmm. or Brazil or, you know, somewhere where this is your opportunity to, like I said, be able to like feed your family and right. have have some financial security and stuff. And so, yeah, you have these fashion execs who are like, oh, I'd never send my daughter to him, but I have no problem sending other people's daughters. And if they say anything, then we'll just ship them back to the home country and never be heard from again. I've said this before, and I'll say it again. Yikes. Yeah, it seems to be a, a recurring theme this episode. <laughs> we haven't even gotten to the movies yet. Mm-hmm. But so I mean, why don't we do just yeah, that? Yeah, so back to the movies... As much as you joked about this being like a kind of tenuous connection between them, given how fashion-centric and aesthetic Jallo is, it makes perfect sense that there would be several that take place within the fashion industry mm-hmm. itself, especially within like modeling, given how part of the formula for Jallo is like fucking gorgeously stunning women with mm. amazing cheekbones and just like legs for days. Yeah, I feel like this almost gives a little bit of realism to the template, where it's totally. just like, they're models. It's so of like, course, of course they, look they like all this. look like that, where, you know, like, you'd also fit a jello, where it's just like, uh, they work in the back room at a butcher shop, but look at all those cheekbones. And look at all that fashion. <laughs> yeah. Yes. I'd love to see a jello that just tried to do the jello tropes in, like, the seediest things, like, <laughs> do a jello set in John Waters' Mortville kind of thing. It's just like, let's see those two fucking, like imageries and fashions oh. combined that just sounds like it would end up being like something just like lady gaga would wear <laughs> it does you're not <laughs> wrong meat dress anyone how about literal garbage but make it couture 
Okay, okay. So, the first movie we watched was Blood and Black Lace from 1964 by Mario Bava. Yes, it was. This isn't the first Jalo, as in, like, one that is usually pointed at as the first one. Maybe there's earlier ones, but the one that's always pointed at that was The Girl Who Knew Too Much, mm. which was also Mario Bava from a year before, black and white little mystery thing. Um, I remember a big part of it takes place on that famous staircase in Rome. Spanish steps? Yeah, or, yeah, 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 yeah. And it's just like, I have never seen that staircase that devoid of people right? in my life. <laughs> and there's something to be said for, like, road closures and filming permits mm-hmm. and stuff. But, yeah, no, I I also, like, even just seeing old touristy photos from even, like, a few decades ago, it's like, I feel yeah. like I missed out on seeing a lot of stuff. Oh, God, yeah, God, yeah. <laughs> All through, like, like, everywhere, like, London, Italy, all sorts of stuff. So, mm-hmm. yeah, no, yeah. It's, it's very... You see a very different side of it than what you would see in real life. Yeah, absolutely. That's for sure. But that was the first one, a very sort of almost Hitchcock-style mystery mm-hmm. kind of thing. It has a lot of that, well, the black and white definitely harkens to Hitchcock right. and all that. Uh, but he followed that up with Blood and Black Lace, which has some of the excess and a lot of the visual style and coloration that mm-hmm. would really predominate Jello going forward. Like, yes. I'm thinking... You know how often when we were filming, we'd be like, use Argento lighting. Yeah. It's like, how should we light this? Argento lighting. And it's... calling it Baba lighting? Yeah, real. <laughs> like, it, it, it was Baba lighting before it was Argento. It's just Argento Oops. is how we learned it. Yeah, kind of Suspiria, 100%. But this movie looks stunning. Yes. It, the colors and uh, just the way it shot looks amazing. You can really tell that Mario Bava started as a cinematographer when you Absolutely. watched this movie. Just the way everything's framed. Shot. I think of this one shot in particular when um, the woman has the diary that's got the incriminating evidence stuck in her purse, and she sets the purse down, mm-hmm. and it's like in the foreground and still in focus in the background. Like everything's in focus. Yeah, you see everything. You going see her on. go and do the runway thing, yeah. and this woman who's eyeing the purse is highlighted through the straps of the purse, like she's almost framed by the straps. Right. And it's just the way it's composed. It's just like yeah. this is a dude who is just like he started at the storyboard and built from there. Yes. Kind of thing. Absolutely. But uh, the intro, the very intro, the beginning credits of this, when it showed all the characters and had their actor names beside them in, like, tableau, you mentioned that this just reminded you of soap opera. Like, yes, level. like, I, um, I don't know what it's like anymore, because I, th- I think... I think my, my mom and possibly my sister sometimes still watches The Bold and the Beautiful occasionally, even though it's ridiculous. Um, A soap opera? Ridiculous? What? what? I know! <laughs> Fun story. Apparently, um, it is, it's about five-ish, or at least when growing up, I remember my mom saying that it was about, so Bold and the Beautiful, it airs in Italy as just the beautiful. It's about five years behind there. So I guess, um, yeah, my family. So show up to Italy and just find some people who are obsessed with soap (laughs) operas and start making bets. It's like, I bet her twin shows up and shoots everybody. (laughs) And they'll be like, no way. I love it. No, actually, I remember when we were in um, Cortona back in... 2013 and we were at the like junk market kind of thing that came around on Sundays or mm-hmm. whatever it was on the weekend looking through and I think it was maybe from the guy we even bought some of the jolly books from right was uh yeah it was like an old magazine like printed like in like the price on it was in lira right and it was like bold or it was like the beautiful or the belle or whatever yeah. or i belli I don't remember but it had like it had it had of course like broken ridge on it and they were so young and I was just like oh my god this is hilarious she got that to send to your fam right I think I took a picture of it or mm-hmm. I, I or actually I don't know because you know they're really weird they're about like 
don't take pictures of people of shit. So mm-hmm. I either took a picture of it and sent it, or I just like was like, guys, guess what I found? But anyway, um, yeah, this so this one takes place. This one being the bold and the beautiful takes place in LA. It takes place in very much in like the fashion industry, that kind of thing going on. So, but yeah, the sort of like tableau thing, like you mentioned at the beginning where it's all like dramatic and there's music. I was like, this is like the intro that I remember growing up with to like the bold and the beautiful. (laughs) But then the music was like some, uh, I want to say it was Ennio Morricone for this one. I'm not Mm -hmm. 100% on that, but it's just like that giallo erratic drums and trumpets coming in. It was so chaotic. The music absolutely fucks. I think I have this soundtrack, so I'm going to plop a little bit in here for people to, to hear. It's You're a club doing a service. Banger. If anyone wants to record a twerk video to this song <laughs> and then upload it and tag us, I would not be opposed. <laughs> Blood and Black Lace, what is this movie about? That is the question of the hour, because <laughs> I saw, I want to say it was Elric Kane from Shockwave's podcast, I saw him tweet something that rang so true, where it was just like, Giallo is the one genre that I can watch a movie, and then within minutes of it ending, I've forgotten the entire plot. <laughs> and I've seen Blood and Black Lace numerous times, and... Even now, if I were to watch it again today, I'd probably be surprised as to who the killer is. Right? Be like, whoa, that person? What? Yeah, exactly. No, um, okay, what I remember, there is, uh, yeah, we're at a fashion house, mm-hmm. I think. Yeah. I think this one's actually in Rome. Yeah, The other two we watched right. were in Milan, but. Yeah. Yeah, um, fashion house, they're designers, they're photographers, they're models, everyone's super bitchy, it's just as you would expect. Mm-hmm. Um... Isabella, was that her name? Isabella. Isabella. She gets killed. And yeah, that's like the opening of the yeah. movie. Yeah, and then um, everyone's like shook. They're shook. Shocked and appalled. And um, but she has a diary. But she has a secret diary that they find. Incriminating evidence. Yes, she does. Yeah, incriminating evidence about a bunch of people, and uh, someone swipes it, and then gets killed. And a bunch of people get killed. That's kind of how the movie goes, doesn't it? It's like there's this diary at the center of it. Yeah, and, and it gets it, burned it right away. It almost plays like a MacGuffin kind of thing, <laughs> where it's just like, this is the diary. It incriminates everyone, so people are just like one after the other trying to get rid of it, and they're yeah. getting off. And it's like, who's offing these people to cover up the diary, and why? Yes. And this is the one that's, um, that the Italian name is like six women for the killer. Yeah, yeah. It's uh, Sedona Perlisicino. Yeah. And it's, um, I love it when that title card 
comes up because it's just it says that in like donde perlasasino blood and black lace yeah the <laughs> subtitles like yep that is what that translates to direct translation but yeah the the uh, direct translation is you're right uh, six women for the killer yeah and so we were counting and we're like well they made it to like four okay they killed six in the movie no but, but we, like, partway through we're like was that three or four I, th- mm-hmm. I think that was four and then yeah they eventually yes so the title kind of like. I don't know if it misled us or or what because it does live up to that title but but you know it had us going it's just like wait that wasn't a woman who was killed yeah wait that woman's not dead yet what's going on it's just like all this stuff going um yes but I love the setting of it being this fashion house because with the um the fact that they shoot there and all that it made for some of the most gorgeous set design. Mm-hmm. Like, just the color of the wallpaper and, yes. like, the lighting and all that stuff. They yes. could excuse how batshit it was because it's like, yeah, they would use this for abstract photo shoots. Right. Like, suit of armor in the basement. Yeah, why not? Why not? Exactly. It's just the props. Yeah, it definitely lent itself well to that whole, like, absurdity. Like, I don't know, like, you've probably seen stuff around that they, they'll be like, you know, the whole, like, it's called fashion, look it up. Like, <laughs> that's been a meme, like, forever mm-hmm. that makes it. And I remember um, seeing at one point people made a joke about something called the fashion tit, where it's, like, a model and she'll be, like, you know, doing whatever, and then one of her titties will be out for, like, no reason. And they're just like, oh, yes, it's the fashion tit. It's Is art. It, it's the precursor to the titty nurse. <laughs> it must be. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like if we make a movie and there's anything in a hospital, we're going to have to have a titty nurse show up. Yeah, I think so. She's a a soft archetype. It's hard to dissect the plot on this one because I feel like just about anything we could say is a spoiler. Yeah, Like, I'm about to to go into different things and it's just like, oh, but I think people need to just watch this movie. Mm -hmm. It's worth it. um, But at the same time... They do a really good job of constructing a mystery, and a lot of later Jolly, and probably even early Jolly too, they kind of betray themselves, where when you put the pieces together too hard, it's just (laughs) like, they don't line up. Like, you have to look at some gaping plot holes. You have to, like, look past them for the plot to actually work. This one works. It's just that, um... It's so convoluted because yep. it's a, and it's funny I say that it's probably one of the more straightforward ones I've seen True. because uh, some of them get really out to lunch. Like yeah. the last one we watched was just all over the place. Yeah, by like, like normal film standards, it's convoluted. By Jallo standards, it's actually pretty like yeah. to the point. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, this is a, an interesting to, one to watch too because of when it came out. This being an early 60s one, it's, like, before the genre took off, but you see so much of the genre in there. Mm-hmm. Like, there are certain aspects of it that perhaps they seem, like, maybe a little dated compared to later ones, but it has the visual flair. It has the uh, mixed-up plot and, mm-hmm. like, the uh, bevy of potential suspects, and, like, you know, the plot even does turns on you, where it's like, that one's the killer. Oh, wait, here's a turn on you. Yeah. Um, it has... It actually is pretty gruesome for a 1964 movie. True. Yeah, so, and it's just, like, aesthetically decadent, and just... Mm-hmm. It's, it's, it's And great. it's got that great Jello score. Yes. So it's one of those ones that... It's funny, a lot of times, when you point out, like, this is the movie that started the genre... It looks quite different from what you get later, and I don't think mm-hmm. that's the case here so much. Right. Like this one, just if anything, it's uh, the most dated part about it is that opening crawl that looks like a soap opera, and like <laughs> the uh, 
the the fashion itself perhaps like maybe let's talk about the modeling in this one uh the fashion was so mod in this it was so 60s like you've got everyone it's not scandalous or scintillating it's not like let's show all the flesh we can Mm -hmm. kind of thing It, it really is about like it's very stylish. Like extravagance kind yeah. of thing. And um, that's not what you get in the next movie we watched. We watched 1975 Strip Nude for Your Killer, <laughs> which is about as far along the other end of things as you can possibly get. If you couldn't guess from the title alone. This is one of those movies where the title is sleazy as hell, and the movie is sleazy as hell, and they almost feel like they're trying to outsleaze each other, but it's just like, <laughs> no... And they're like neck and neck every once in a while, yeah. one scooting a little head until the other pulls some bullshit, and then yeah, like oh, this fucking movie. Um, so if you're someone who really loves TNA in your movies, this is the movie for you. But I'll also <laughs> say if that's the only reason you watch the movies, why the fuck are you listening to our podcast? <laughs> If you just like little a TNA as a treat, then... Yeah, there you go, as a treat. As part of your convoluted podcast, I mean, convoluted film viewings, then... Yeah. Uh, yeah, this is, this is a movie for you. This one does the classic of there's this opening credit, like this cold open that, that hints at the ending kind of thing. And you know, like, ah, uh, yes, the scene is important. It opens on this scene. There's something happening. We don't know who all's involved, but we get little sort of, like, yes. glimpses of it. What we've got here is, uh, as you put it, this woman getting some kind of gynecological exam. Given the instruments they're using, I kind of, like, immediately thought, like, oh, it's a uh, 1970s abortion. Totally. Okay. Um, yeah. Because at first it's not clear. You just see, like, the stirrups and stuff, and you're like, okay, gyne- birth, gynecologist, yeah. OBGYN, I don't know. And then it's, like course it's an abortion mm-hmm. <laughs> fucking course because uh you know if you want to get scandalous let's go yeah <laughs> um especially in italy it goes sideways on them mm-hmm. and by that i mean you know like any sort of uh when you relegate the procedure to the shady under dealings because this is shown as very shady and yeah they look like they're in some fucking cellar or something um it's not in the best conditions and the woman getting the abortion dies. Mm-hmm. And so the the guy calls someone up and it's just like, uh-oh, it happened. What do we do? And they're just like, we need to hide the body. And that kicks everything off in this movie mm-hmm. where we get one of the many... We could have easily done an episode that was Jollo movies that have killers wearing leather biker outfits <laughs> and uh because there are a few of them but yep. you know we get a leather clad biker head obscured by a helmet running around offing seemingly random people i mean not random but the connection's not quite what you think it is mm. it's funny it's one of those things that now that we've watched the movie if you look at it back it's just like you can kind of see the straight line that goes through all of them but they do a good job of obscuring as much of it as they can for the plot going. But it doesn't quite... I don't know if I would give it that much credit as being that cleverly plotted. It felt more just like we're just going to have a lot of, like, violent deaths and, like, these scenes going on kind of thing and then at the very end go, by the way, this is why. (laughs) (laughs) It's true. Uh, This one, as far as modeling goes, was a very 
I think that this shows, like, the difference between mid-60s to mid-70s, mm. both in, like, maybe what was considered fashionable, but also in what was permissible in film, in right. that we get so much nudity in these modeling tableaus. It's yeah. just like, let's get naked on this motorbike while well, this dude's got heat dick out, and we're going <laughs> to take photos of it. And, like, you know, it's, like, one step shy of that, basically. Mm-hmm. And uh, It's a little porno chic. Yeah, like, this was a horny movie. Yes. Yes, it was. Yeah, this was a very horny movie. Perpetually to the end. And it was... This was where they blurred the lines so well, as far as I was concerned, between does the movie think this dude is gross or do just I think this dude is gross? Because <laughs> there's dudes in the movie that the movie's just like, look at how gross this dude is being. And then there's other dudes in the movie where it's just like, he's doing the exact same stuff, but he's got a chiseled chin, so apparently he's it's not fine. gross. It's not a sex pest. But yeah, there were a lot of sex pests in this movie. Yep. Mainly the main dude. Yeah. He was a total sex pest. Can we talk about that ending? <sighs> yeah, I saw that ending and I was just like, I'm disappointed. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say, it's like, it's a total like, parent, like, I'm not mad, I'm just disappointed. But it's like, no, I'm kind of mad too. Yeah. Yeah, it's somehow managed to, in spite being called strip nude for your killer it's still somehow managed to be sleazier and just like -er than i could have ever anticipated from that ending so oh my god so what we have is the movie sets up with this abortion being it's like the start of things and like it's a major aspect of the plot going through but then when all is said and done and the love interests are, like, cavorting at the end, the dude is just suddenly like, oh, we can't make, we have to make sure this doesn't happen again, and decides that forcing her to do anal is the only way to prevent a future abortion murder. Mm-hmm. And it's like, this is the fun freeze frame that this movie ends on. Yeah, yeah, she's like, oh, I'm on the pill, it's fine. He's like, better not take any risks. And then the freeze frame on him, like, manhandling her onto the bed yeah it's cool and normal stuff guys it's one of those things where like you said despite the title it still manages to out sleaze itself mm-hmm. why did they give edwidge's character like the lesbianist haircut and then made her like as heterosexual as possible <sighs> that was so disappointing that was like she looked like extremely joan jet mm-hmm and then, like... And then she was extremely uh, Joan Hett. <laughs> yes! Like, exceedingly Joan Hett. This one was a bit frustrating for me in that it establishes so many potentially strong female characters mm. in that, but they all kind of turn into shrinking violets. Yeah. Pretty much. Like, this one is pretty egregious for, like, they need the man to come and save them. Ugh, yeah. And that was a bit of a bummer because the way the cast was made up is that there were so many women or so many moments where the women could have been that strong character and they were never really afforded that in the script. I'm like, yeah, these these bitches survived the fashion industry. I think they can handle a little, like, you know, killer cosplaying as a motorcyclist. <laughs> like, yeah, like right. Edwidge's character, I can't remember her name. Um, oh, yes, I can, Magda. Mm. Uh, Magda, she's a fucking fashion photographer. Like, yeah. that is such a, like... I mean, photography in general is such a, like, freaking manosphere. Like, 
Oh my god, it's unreal. So, like, she's making it as not only a photographer, but in, like, one of the most cutthroat industries on top of the cutthroat industry of photography. Right. Super male-dominated. Like, I think she could handle her own when there's, like, oh, no, there's a killer wandering around in the dark here. Cut Mm -hmm. the power. Like, fucking do something about it. Yeah. (laughs) Don't just, like, call your boyfriend. Mm Mm-hmm. Like, that just can't suspend my disbelief there. And one turn that kind of got me in that is when she starts stripping for that dude. And it's just like... I want to be a model. I want to be a model. And then she blows him to get a modeling gig. But it's the kind of thing where it's like, it's totally played. Like, he even says, it's like, why would you give away your photography career to do modeling? It'll only last a few years. And it's just like, why do you have to choose? Why can't she do both if she so wants kind of thing? But the movie just plays very much on this, like, oh, you have to debase yourself to be a model. Right. And then you'll get tossed away in a few years. And she's like, well, I'm into that, and then blows them. Mm -hmm. And it's just, like, it was kind of weird to, uh... Yeah, it really gives it... It didn't jive. Yeah. No, it really, um... Sets bare the kind of view of, like, oh, yeah, this is what models are. This is what Mm -hmm. these women, specifically... Because there are male mo- there's like a male model in the mm-hmm. movie, but he's not talked about or treated the same way. No. I wonder why, even though there's a female photographer. He honestly mm. feels like he's just there to make sure that the modeling shoot is egregiously this heterosexual. Straight. Yeah, this is true. It's like there's no there's no uh two ways about it. This is a heterosexual moment we're we're taking pictures of. Yeah. And then he just walks off and it's like that's it for the movie. That's true. And that's after they're, like, fed up with it. So, like, we're just going to take our clothes off while we then take a, take five. Mm-hmm. It's just like, what are you doing? Mm-hmm. Despite her dismissiveness of the tackiness of this movie, I thought that the, the mystery going through, like, it kept me hooked. Yeah. Kind of thing. Like, it, it does a good job of creating that tension mm-hmm. and following through on it. Like, I didn't feel disappointed. No. I like you weren't giving me enough or you were just going too much to the point where the movie doesn't even make sense anymore. Right. So structurally it kind of towed that line pretty well. It's just yeah. that it had this kind of gross veneer. Yeah. Really sleazy and really Yeah. In like a you need to take a shower after kind of way, not in like <laughs> a oh that's so much fun. I love John Waters kind of way. Yeah, it's yeah, just yeah. like bad, bad taste. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, this would be what he described as bad, bad taste. Yeah. And there was like a little bit of good, bad taste thrown in, but mm-hmm. it was it was a bit of it was in the shadow of bad, bad taste. One of the things I love was the dude who was like trying to to cheat on his wife. I think. Oh yeah, that was that this lady. movie. And he just like she like like it was this really gross scene where he's just like sort of like pressuring her into it, and that part was gross. After and like all that almost stuff. kidnapping her, but then he can't perform. And so she bails, and he's just like, I can only do it with you, as he starts blowing up this blow-up doll. And it's like, that part rules. <laughs> it was so funny. Um, yeah. Just because I think it took me off guard. Totally. Yeah, he just walks into the back room all, like, bemoaning the the sad fate of the evening that comes out, just blowing oh, up. No man. Yeah, just blowing up one of those, like, almost cliche at this point looking blow-up dolls yeah. kind of thing. Blow-up dolls? What the fuck? Fuck her blow-up dolls. Like, I'm gonna fuck this inflated plastic. That is, like, the concept of a body, but it's, like, not even in uncanny territory. It's just, it's 
it's creepy for an entirely different reason. It looks like someone got really into bouncy castles as a kid, but then literally, like, carved out some of the castle to construct a poor visage of a woman. And And fuck it. And fuck it, yeah. And stick their dick in it. Yep. Anyway, so that's in this movie. That's pretty fun. (laughs) But the real treat of this episode... Yeah. ...was a little movie called Death Walks at Midnight from 1972 by Luciano Arcoli. I've never heard of him, but he does some good work. Mm -hmm. I have a box set of a couple of his movies from Arrow videos. Nice. And this one absolutely fucks. I remember enjoying it when I first saw it, but I kind of forgot how much of a club banger it is. Yes. Yes. Oh, my God. Okay, I mean, it opens up with... So the ti- the, the character... I almost called it the title character. I think it's the title character of the song playing. It was like a John Waters movie. You're introduced to this character named Valentina, and there's a song being sung about Valentina. Yeah, it so screams like polyester, yes. uh, dirty shame. Silvia. so good so good and she is a firecracker holy shit she gets wronged by a man and she like not after storming out of his office fucking throws like a rock through the window at aiming for his head like Mm -hmm. oh it's beautiful yeah she's great i love that scene in particular because the construction guy that's got all the rocks that's watching her is just like hey there's no lady for no way for a lady to behave and she starts yelling at him and they're doing the hand gestures (laughs) like they're doing those italian hand (laughs) gestures that we saw live when we were in rome when that uh those teenagers those teenagers that guy was just like shame shame as they were like yeah across the the alley across the alley just doing the hand gestures and yelling it was so good (laughs) um but this movie fucking even opens with the model is doing a photo shoot that's supposed to be anonymous where she's trying this drug called HDS. It's a new hallucinogenic. And, yeah, she's just, like, fucking gets shot up by this doctor, and they take <laughs> photos of it, and she trips balls. And while she's doing that, she w- she's looking out her apartment window and witnesses a murder across the alley. And it's like, that is my favorite way to set up <laughs> that sort of, like, did I see it? I don't know. I'm not quite remembering something, or there's something not quite right that is, like, so in of these movies yes um, it's like my this is the best setup for that that could have possibly existed it made me think of the evil dead remake where it's like yeah. why don't they leave the cabin why and don't it's they like, trust oh, her because uh she's a junkie getting clean kind of thing. And that's how they, they play it um but that's how one here and i love how the movie never really shames her for taking part in this kind of thing like it shows how other people are shaming her like she loses yeah, like oh you're the most famous drug user in all of italy yeah. but we're never meant to be like oh wow what a sad sack kind yeah of thing. She, like, i can't wait to see her get killed because she deserves it yeah no it's, hell no so it's got like a fucking great setup for the yes. for the the sort of premise and what we get for the murder definitely harkens back to Blood and Black Lace. We have the mm-hmm. killer who has that metal thing in his hand with the spikes on, and he sticks yeah. in the lady's head. Well, the killer here is wearing, like, a spiked iron glove. Right. And it just it immediately made me think of Blood and Black Lace. Absolutely. There's probably a bit of slippage in my memory between the two, honestly. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> Although I found this one more memorable. Well, we didn't double feature. <laughs> we double feature Blood and Black Lace and then Strip Nude for Your Killer. True. And we actually took a break and watched Death Walk at Midnight the next day. So. Yeah. And even then, somehow the first two managed to meld in my mind. Mm-hmm. But Valentina is seeing this killer 
that she witnessed crop up everywhere and no one will believe her that she's at danger. Yeah, even the the journalist guy who, uh, you know, paid her to do the drugs and did the expose and stuff, saying he would keep her anonymous. He's like, oh, it's just like an effect of the drugs. Mm -hmm. Like, yeah, no, you're just hallucinating. It's fine. And this, like, harkens back to the long-standing horror tradition (laughs) of not believing women. Yep. And uh, it's... I liked that that actually became a plot point in this one. Mm -hmm. Like, it wasn't just, oh, you don't believe her, you idiot, you're gonna die kind of thing. It's just like, no, the plot is... It kind of spurred her own investigation. Yeah. Where it's just, like, all this disbelief is coming at you that you're only gonna be able to get yourself out of this this mess. And, uh, yeah, I thought that that was a cool take on something that we see in so many of these movies. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I agree. And especially for being... You know, when it's, it, it's not a movie from, from the 2010s. No. So for it to take that approach and be like, yeah, actually she's super credible and mm-hmm. no one's believing her and a lot of people are dying because of it. It's like, oh, good for you. Yeah. Nice. This one also follows a lot of Jello plotting where mm-hmm. who could be the killer and why. It's interesting how this movie takes you all over the place with the motive and who's behind it, even though from the very opening scene, we see the face of the killer. Yeah, we know. They're not a masked weirdo kind of thing. And anytime they show up, it's like, there's the killer. It's very clearly the killer. How did you describe how he looks? He looks like a mod version of a dude from Solo. He looks like a mod version of the Turtle Man from Solo. (laughs) It's always Turtle Man. There are four Libertines and it always comes back to Turtle Man. It's always Turtle Man. Well, he's the one that sticks in my mind. (laughs) He's the memorable one. It's fucking Turtle Man. (laughs) Um, yeah, every time he shows up in another movie, we're just like, oh my god. I like how you say that as if it happened in more times than just Salon Kitty. <laughs> I thought there was, like, one more. Oh, okay. I, I'm probably just thinking of... I, I just thought that it happened more recently, because we haven't seen Salon Kitty in years. It's been a long time. Yeah, so I'm like, did it happen more than once? I think we saw no. someone who looked like him recently. That's true. Yeah, yeah, we were like, it's gotta be him, and then we looked him up, and it's like, and it's not him. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Peccato. Um... Yeah, fuck. <laughs> but uh, it plays with that who the killer is, and, like, it switches who... Like, it, I feel like there there's multiple antagonists in this. And, oh, yeah. And the movie flips between who we're most pressed about. Yes. Depending on the scenario. And it all comes together pretty nicely. It does. Like, this is one of those ones where I don't feel like they cheated with the plot. Nah, they didn't really It has a lot of sort of, like, Scooby-Doo, sort of like, <laughs> now let me reveal my grand plot to you kind of moment. Yes, as an international drug dealer with yeah. a with a compadre here who has a, who likes to laugh a lot. With the fucking giggling the fucking guy. laughing Why man? didn't Italy do a version of Joker with this guy? <laughs> I know, right? And then, like, seeing him when he, when he got his fucking, like, face burned in the lie or whatever, and he's just, like, running around with, like, a bleeding face. I was like, oh, why so serious, bro? Joker 2019. <laughs> I'm pretty sure this is his origin story. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, if, if Italy should get back on, it's like making rip-off sequels of Ital- and, and shit of, like, American, American movies, movies yeah. and uh, do one for, for Joker. Yeah, Be do like, a giallo of Joker. <laughs> Joker. <laughs> I would actually watch that way before I'd watch Joker. <laughs> <laughs> Honestly, same. Yeah. Um... This movie is so much fun. It's so the good. The soundtrack is excellent. Yep. Like, it's so... The riffs are so porny in this. Exactly what you hope for from a 70s movie. The fashion is great. I love that since this is a high fashion world, they really lean into it. And to the... Like, what the fuck is that wig she's wearing that's just, like, <laughs> metal? She's wearing a like metal Like, reflective, wig. like, mirror pieces or some yeah. shit. 
Um, she, of course, would get gay with it. She has a gay best friend who's yes. in the fashion thing, and he is, like, like our first episode of a uh, queer jello cult. Yeah. He fits that stereotype that to a T, that, like, sort of, like, mincing fairy kind yeah. of thing. Uh, but he is delightful. He is. Anytime he shows up, I'm so happy. <laughs> <laughs> he is delightful. Oh, yeah, can I just say how great it is that, like, I, I just, there's so many things Valentina does in this movie that mm-hmm. I remember commenting me like, I like her, yeah. and I really like her, mm-hmm. but, like, the first, I think possibly the first thing that stands out that you're just like, okay, I like this woman, is when we're in her apartment, there is this, like, wall-sized print of a portrait of her. I love it. And it's, like, amazing. I loved that about <laughs> it. It's just, like, you have that ego. Yeah, you do. You and it. it is well-earned. Yeah, it's, um... And it's funny because uh, when they go to the model who she sees murdered, she has a giant photo of herself in her place kind of thing. I've seen that in other movies, too, where it's just like, I'm a model, so here's a giant photo of my face. Yeah, like, I get keeping your, like, tear sheets and your magazine covers Mm -hmm. and stuff like that, but that is, like, next level. Yeah. It's it's like, what is the biggest possible print I can get? And it needs to take up my whole wall. Yeah. Ideally. No, it slaps. The, The woman in this is so fucking self-assured and yes. it's great it's re- she's refreshing. a really strong character she and is. i love it so much both like like attitude and like actions and stuff and it just made me think of um i was telling you before we started recording um i remember reading this like ages ago uh somebody was talking about oh this was online so but um he was talking about he's like oh yeah in my uh my high school class trip they went to greece right and he's like, yeah, the tour guide, he tells me, Greek men are loud, boisterous, and pose absolutely zero threat. Greek women are the exact opposite. And I'm <laughs> like, Italy and Greece is close enough together. I feel like that if you take that and apply it to, to Italy, that is enacted in this movie. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Fuck, this movie <laughs> is so good. I wasn't stoked about the dead cat. Yeah, that that was an unnecessary touch. Out, but... Yeah. Yeah, so if you're an animal lover, there's a dead cat in this one. Yes. Fairly convincing, too. That's but true. at the same time, you know, I assume, I hope it was just a puppet Yeah, cat. you're like, but it is Italy. Yeah. From that general era. Yeah, that's just it. Like, in if it was an American movie, I'd, I'd immediately go to, like, well, it's obviously... Yeah. It's really a, convincing. A prosthetic kind like, of thing. Yeah. Whereas, I don't know, Italy is full of cats. I'm sure there are roadkill cats. They might have just found one and been like, hey, let's include this in the movie. You know what? I could sleep easy if that was the case. True. It's the idea of killing animals for movies that bumps me out. Yeah, that's... And that they have a bad track record for that. True, but at the same time, I feel like if they were going to kill a cat for the movie, they would have filmed it in excruciating detail. That is also true, because it's like, why go through with it if you're not going to milk it for all it's worth? Exactly. For the shock value. Nonetheless, this movie, it's a very small part of the movie. And, it is. Uh, this it's very, movie, like, in passing moment. It fucking slaps regardless. Yes. Uh, that ending. Oh, that big climactic fight was just beautiful. We we get our dummy shot. Oh. We get our fantastic, fantastic dummy shot. We were waiting for that, too. Yep. I I am a, I've always been since I started getting to horror, but I'm such a sucker for dummy shots <laughs> of a dummy going cascading off a building or down a cliff or something. And limbs just flailing. Like I'm pretty sure the first time I saw Bad Taste by <laughs> Peter Jackson, Jackson, the dummy shot in that I rewinded and watched multiple <laughs> times because it's just so choice. It's changed your life. Yeah. 
Or the one in uh, Dr. Butcher, MD, where this clearly a mannequin flies out of the building. It shows it hit the ground and its arm flies off. And like this mannequin arm pops off. And then it cuts to a close-up of the body. Arm still attached and all this stuff. And it's just like, oh, you didn't even edit it well. Respect. Yeah, so much respect. <laughs> well, what did you expect him to do? Chop the actor's arm off? <laughs> Forget about it. Given that it was an unscrupulous Italian movie from the 70s, I wouldn't be surprised. (laughs) Just pay him to disappear for a while. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Like, that was really him. His arm really flew Mm. off. And we have it here. But he's nowhere to be found. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, All three of the releases we watched this week were from Arrow Video. Yes, they were. So, big shout out to them. I always look forward to seeing what they're coming up with, because their restorations are just beautiful. Mm -hmm. And... Yeah. Which one? It was. It was actually. Um, it was. I want to say it was this one where it, like we watched it in Italian. Mm-hmm. When by this one I mean uh, Death Walks at Midnight. Mm-hmm. And it flipped uh, to English briefly. Yeah, yeah. But at the funniest part where where she's like storming out of the commissioner's office, he won't believe her again, and she like you know goes out the door, and then you hear just like, "Ow, you bitch!" And there's like some fucking random <laughs> guy standing have, like, behind a the door. Of dialogue. Yeah. yeah, but just but it's just like abruptly because they just she's like fine like whatever like in Italian and then just like oh you bitch or whatever that sometimes and, happens I've seen it a lot the other way where I'll yeah. be watching the uncut version of like a Jello like for right. example Deep Red or something where you could be watching the English language version yeah and then there's still a couple sections since the uncut version that are in Italian mm-hmm. because they never made it over they cut the movie for America exactly and it's like why waste money and time dubbing footage that doesn't go over but it's interesting that it was the other way because I'm pretty sure that the people were Italian speaking Italian in this movie okay that's the thing about these movies no matter which version you watch you're watching a dubbed version this is true because they usually have like you know, that person's from Germany that person's from Turkey those two are from Italy there's some Brits in there and it's like (laughs) We're just going to dub the whole fucking thing over. We're not going to record sound. We'll just dub everything in post. <laughs> it's fine. And it makes this kind of surreal. Kind it of, does. I think it adds almost to the cheap soap opera charm of these movies. <laughs> yes. And uh, I'm totally here for it. Like, it, bad dubbing in a lot of movies bugs me so yes. much. Like, I will not watch... Like, for example, Takeshi Miike movies out of Japan. I love his movies. And the dubs are so painful to sit mm. through. It's like, I gotta watch them in the original language with subs. But when it comes to, like, Jalo and stuff, it's almost part of the charm. <laughs> it's just, like, whichever way you watch it, it's like, this doesn't quite work. But it works. Which makes it work. Yeah. As part of the larger genre. Yeah. And it's also nice watching these because of the times where um, I actually understand the Italian and the <laughs> subtitles do not remotely match. Right. Yeah. Um, yeah. I've, I remember even, um, it might have even been this last one where they, they, yeah, they, they, it matched in a way like where you're saying like, oh, why do you have to, why do you have to be so bourgeois? But they, the subtitles said like middle class and it's like, that just doesn't have the same ring to it. doesn't have the ring. No, it doesn't. No, it's bourgeois. And this one threw me off too, because there was a point in it when the guy answers the phone and just goes, hi. And I was just like, what? You didn't say pronto? You're not ready. You're not ready to start this conversation. Yeah. It's a, oh, this movie's a treat. (laughs) Uh, but yeah, jolly. I watch Jallo all day long. I don't know about you. I mean, I might want the odd break just to, like, clear my brain enough to follow the plots. That's across fair. Across separate That's movies. That's fair. You watch two in a row and they get mixed up. <laughs> like, I remember at the end of um, 
stripping for your killer, you're just like, who got the abortion? Was that Isabella? And it's like, it's the wrong movie. Yeah, you're like, Isabella was the other movie. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) I was like, shit. (laughs) Yeah, I can see that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Whoops. Oh, well. So that was fun watching, but we've got some recommendations for you. For further watching. Yeah, further watching as per usual. Did you want to start? Well, it depends. Are you recommending an Italian movie? I am. Well, maybe we'll start with you for okay. more continuity's sake. Okay, for more continuity's sake, I am recommending the other movie in the box set from, from Arrow. This one's also by Luciano Ercoli as Death Walks at Midnight. This is Death Walks on High Heels from the year before. Mm. So the title-wise, they seem like they'd be sequels, but the movies themselves seem fairly unrelated. Interesting. Like, it, I think it's almost like that Italian thing of let's make a sequel in title. Kind of thing. Um, <laughs> but not in form. I don't remember tons about this movie. I remember having a lot of fun with it because it had a, a really tight plot nice. going to it. But at the same time, now that I've rewatched Death Walks at Midnight, I want I want to watch that one again because I remember High Heels being the superior of the two. Oh. But I watched Walks of Midnight, and I think I got so much more appreciation of Valentina's character in this. Fair. That I wonder if there's anyone sort of like that in High Heels, so it'd be worth okay. watching again. Yeah. Either way, um, if you are interested in tracking down Death Walks at Midnight, you will probably find yourself with a copy of High Heels as well. And True. it's worth watching for sure, not just because, oops, I already bought it. Like, it's a good movie in its own right. Yeah. Nice. Um, I haven't seen enough Jolly to be able to recommend one that's tangentially related, so I am going to skip across the pond and recommend 2014's Starry Eyes. Starry Eyes, nice. It's been a while since I've seen that one. I was thinking after, as we were discussing, it's like, oh, I should pick the Neon Demon, but I'm like, no, pick something we haven't even mentioned this episode. Yeah, fair enough. Deals with some of the, yeah, the cutthroatness, the sleaziness of the industry. Well, it's of the acting industry in Starry Eyes. Right. Oh, shit, that's right. For some reason, I thought it was like a magazine cover. No, 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 it's acting, but it shows how much those... Yeah, it's still like aesthetic-based, like it's moving pictures. It feels like, it feels very in-step. With that mm-hmm. kind of thing. That's probably why I'm misremembering it. Because it's it. so, like, the industry that she's trying to get into is just as cutthroat and yep. body shaming and all yep. that stuff. And exploitative and just, like, yeah, icky leaves you feeling yucky. Mm-hmm. I definitely want to rewatch that one. I've only seen it the one time. Same. Um, well, we've definitely got it queued up for a future episode. Yes. So it'll come down the pipe eventually. Absolutely. Um, yeah. Otherwise, uh, I've noticed that we've had some pretty... Sweet involvement on social media lately. Yeah, you mentioned a lot of, a lot people of uh, following Twitter us followers. on Twitter and all that because we've been getting some shout outs from some great people. Like, uh, as per always, we've got uh, Gordon Scramsey shouting us out. And yes, so King. Thank you for that because um, it's always appreciated. So appreciated. Uh, we also got a follow from Creeperzoid Kelly, who's kind of a big, big contender kind of a big in deal. the social media no horror big game. Deal. Um, but because of like people like them. We're getting so many followers, and mm-hmm. it's really awesome to see that, especially because I don't tweet that much, but I've, I've been eat, dipping my toe into it. I've started, like, I'll see a take, and it's like, I'm about to reply from my personal Twitter account, right. and it's like, I should hop over to Queer Horror yes. Cult because this totally fits, right? and reply from there, so I'm trying, yeah, to, I'm trying to get better into that. So thank you, everyone that's sort of sharing the love and mm-hmm. getting more people involved in the podcast, because... It means a lot. It's it really does. People are listening, and uh, we were just 
before recording this episode, like a day or two before, we broke 20k downloads. That's nuts. So that's a lot. That's pretty because, fucking good. Yeah, I remember we were like back in September thinking like, oh, maybe we'll hit 10k right before our anniversary. Yeah, or... before Halloween. And yeah. like we've already doubled that. Yeah, that's January. nuts. So, uh... And we definitely haven't like doubled our you know, content output since then by any means. If anything, we've halved her. That's what it feels we've like. We've halved the effort, that's for sure. <laughs> um, Life, boundaries, all that. Yeah, 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 yeah. But thank you so much, and uh, look forward to keeping it going. Mm-hmm. Until then. Take it easy and keep it sleazy. <laughs>